We've been praying for that for two years, pretty consistently. And uh, you know, it didn't happen right away. It didn't happen the next day. It didn't happen the next week. But over time, God begins to answer prayer because we have a group of people, which could include you, that consistently on Thursday nights come here and uplift your needs before the Father. And we're believing for answered prayers there. Amen? So as you get those praise reports, fill those out too so that we can praise the Lord with you. If you have a prayer request, put it on that card. I want to be able to pray with you. Other thing I just want to let you know is uh, I want to, of course, welcome any guests who are watching us online. I know several people who watch us online, so welcome this morning. And I want to just take a few moments to thank you for some generous donations that came in for both uh, our new sound mixer. We had somebody who uh, donated the money for a new digital sound mixer. We've been wanting to do that for a few years. And also, many of you gave money towards a computer so that Donna's computer didn't freeze and break apart. So I recognize that Donna's computer. So thank you for giving. Uh, your giving has helped us do those kinds of little things that we need to do to upgrade and to improve what we're doing here. So thank you for your giving. Thank you so much for what you've done. And uh, know that it's going towards good things. And I just wanted you to see a picture of it. And just say a, a big thanks to you for that. Now... Last week, we, we asked the age-old question that many love songs throughout history ask, such as, What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Somebody can work no more. Okay, there you go. You guys are somewhat on track, but a few of you, anyway, you had it. Of course, I want to know what love is. I want to know. There you go. You guys know this song. <laughs> a little foreigner in there. But for, for generations, for thousands of years, hundreds of years, thousands of years, people have wondered, what exactly is love? What is love? Now, we're called to love God. We know as, as people of God, we're called to love God. We're called to love our neighbor. We're even called to love our enemies. That's always the harder one, isn't it? It's important if we're supposed to love our enemies, if we're supposed to love our neighbor, if we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, and if we're supposed to love God, don't you think we should have a basic understanding of what love is? And hopefully our theology or our, our understanding of love doesn't come from foreigner or journey or any of those other bands that you could possibly listen to. So last week we charted the waters of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this chapter was written to a very dysfunctional church. You know, we read it at weddings and these happy occasions about what love is, but actually the, the chapter was written to a dysfunctional church. And Paul wanted to describe to this church what true love looks like. So last week I asked you to do a self-assessment compared to 1 Corinthians 13. And I asked you to, to kind of figure out, how are you doing? How are you doing with being patient? And you're behind a very slow person. How are you doing with being kind when everything within you wants to lash out at someone? How are you doing with jealousy and envy? Seeing everybody else that has stuff that you don't have, that you wear cooler than I do, that you don't have. Have you been boastful or prideful this week? Have you been self-seeking? Have you been slow to anger? Just get cut off and see if that slow to anger still applies, right? Have you, been, have you been forgiving? 
Have you rejoiced at someone's downfall? Or have you rejoiced in the truth? Have you persevered in your love to speak? That's the self-assessment. Now listen, I know that as we read through that list, that it's not easy, and that we are going to fail in some of those. How many of you failed in some of those this week? Absolutely. And if you didn't raise your hand, you just failed. <laughs> so when we fail at one, though, and we're successful in the others, we're still moving forward. We're still growing in our love. This is where uh, what we, when we do what we can do, and then we trust God to do the things that he can do in us. This is where God's grace, when we think about God's amazing grace, this is why his grace is so amazing to us. Because the, the scripture teaches us that he has new mercies for us every morning. And how many of us need new mercies every morning? I know I do. So when we fall, when we fail, not if we fail, we can fail forward. We can grow in our love for God and for people, even though we may not do it perfectly every day. Sometimes in order to understand a concept, it's, it's really helpful to also study what the opposite of that is. And we've talked about love, and we want to see the opposite today. So Apostle Paul shows us what happens in a world without love. He writes to his young disciple Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5. through It's going to be on the screen behind me. You can follow along in your own Bible if you prefer. This is the New Living Translation. And he says this to Timothy. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, in the last days, there will be difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. This is what the world looks like without love. Does any of that sound familiar to any of you? seen that? Have you felt that? Have you sensed some of those things where he says, in the last times, these are the things that are going to take place. This is going to be the heart of people. This is going to be the attitude of people. Self-focus. Pretending to be religious, but not living. See, it's one thing to talk about love, but man, it's a whole different matter to love someone, isn't it? Because love is hard. Song. Love is hard. We know this, or if you don't, you will soon. Love sometimes hurts, love sometimes disappoints, and too often we simply fail to love. We fail to love others. On our best days and in our right minds, we know that love is good and we want to be known as loving people. But as we all know, that it's far easier said, easy to say things. It's a whole different thing to live it out. It's a whole different thing to do it. So I want to make three observations about the list from 1 Corinthians 13. We started last week. 
Uh, if you're interested, you can actually go back on YouTube and watch last week's message to kind of get the full picture of what we're talking about here. But the first thing I want to bring out of this passage is this. Love exists in the context of broken relationships. Love exists in the context of broken relationships. Now, notice how many of these characteristics that Paul talks about, being loving and being patient, being kind. Uh, a lot of things that he also talks about is a response to sin. Patience, not being envious, not being easily angered, no record of wrongs, not delaying evil. All these are sins that we can harbor in our hearts to create that bitterness, that hardness. And the longer we keep that in our hearts, the harder our heart gets. And all these things exist because people are sinners. And we are all sinners. None of us are perfect. We all raised our hand. I know you didn't do all those things perfectly last week, and neither did I. But rather than keeping the cycle of sin, we're being called here in 1 Corinthians 13 to a new way of living, a new way of life, a new way to love and to care for one another. And love is how we respond to this fallen world. But love only works if you engage in fallen relationships. This is why love in the local church is such a big deal. Remember the context of this letter is not a storybook wedding where the husband and wife are looking their best and they're at their best behavior. No, the context of this letter is messy relationships inside a local church. Relationships with people who struggle with pride and selfishness and anger who come from different cultural and social economic backgrounds. It's not the context. It's in that context of regular, difficult, face-to-face -face relationships where love and still exist. So if you isolate yourself in a self-controlled world and you never invest in a relationship and you never open up your hearts to others, you might be really good at showing patience. Which no one shows patience to. You might even be pretty forgiving every once in a while. Won't know what it means to love. See, love is impossible on a deserted island because love exists in the context of relationships, even fallen relationships, even relationships that are falling apart. That's the first observation. The second thing is that God's love is different than the world's love. The way that love works in this world is that we see someone that's attractive. That promises some happiness, possibly. Maybe it causes us to love them, or at least think we love them. And this is what the world calls love. Right? And yet people, of course, you hear of falling in and out of love, and we don't believe it. That's not the kind of love that Paul was speaking about here in 1 Corinthians 13. This is about loving those who we don't deem to be needed. Loving those who are not wealthy or rich or have something to give us. Loving those that maybe we don't even see as needed. This is about voluntarily inviting people to a place, to a wellness. Why? Because this is the love that flows out of a heart that's been transformed, out of a heart that's been changed. So that kind of love is different. How is such a love like how can we possibly love people in that way? How can we look at 1 Corinthians 13 and say, well, that's really kind of like Jesus? Well, we love the third point because we have been loved by God. Romans 5 8. 
says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I'm so thankful for that. While he was giving his son, that's in the same way. See, God doesn't love us because we are good. God loves us because he is good. God loves us while we're still sinners. then his love is not dependent on us. But it overflows from who he is. And if when God's love overflows into our lives, it transforms us and enables us to love like he loves. True love originates not from others, not even from ourselves, but true love originates from God. Every description of love that we have given here in 1 Corinthians 13 connects back to the way that we have been loved by God in Jesus Christ. Consider that God is patient. How patient God has been with us. See, the only reason any of us has lived long enough to hear the gospel and repent and be saved is because God is a long-suffering God. Some people look at the stories of the Old Testament of God raining down fire from heaven, and they say, well, what kind of God would do that? What kind of God would rain down fire from heaven on people? But what we should be looking at is the 10,000 days prior to that, a beautiful sunshine and gently falling rain, even as people live in sin and rebellion. And wonder, how can God be so patient? See, we are those who have received so much patience that the patience that we even try to show pales in comparison to God's patience for us. God dealt with us so God doesn't simply put up with our faults. That's only to say, we don't need him very formally. No, he adopted us into his family as his children. We spend eternity with him because of his amazing kindness with us. Scripture teaches us that his kindness is what leads us to repentance. His kindness. Not his anger. Ephesians 2, 6-7 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Consider how slow to anger and forgiving God has been for us. When he forgives us, he does not do so half-heartedly. He does not just forgive 50% of our sin or 90% of our sin and expect us to make up the rest. God forgives all of that. Past, present, and future sins. That's how God loves us then. Can we trust him with our hearts? Can we trust him with our bitterness? Can we trust him to be the God that can all the ways that people may hurt us. Yes, God's love frees us to forgive and to let go. Thank 
God that is love in Jesus Christ is so patient with us, so forgiving, so loving. Realize that we never deserve such love as we've received it from the Most High. Because of the love that we have received, that spur us on to more, to more acts of service, to more caring for one another. Because love will last longer than the stuff you care about. Let's say that again. Love will last longer than the stuff you care about. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 13 says this. It says, Prophecy and speaking speech in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, at the t- when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. One, faith. Two, hope. Three, love. And the greatest of these is love. See, many of us like to invest our resources in things that, that will last. Things that will last the test of time. Things that will continue long beyond us. We pity those who pour their lives and their life savings into poor investments, only to see it all disappear. Most recently, those that lost money, all their money, buying crypto from FTX, and they put up a Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme, all those people who poured in their life savings for these investments. We feel badly for those that buy a house right before the housing market crashes. But as hard as those things can be, it's not insurmountable. We can always find a way to recover financially. Think about our lives. What if we spend our one life that we can live for things that will eventually pass away? What if we spend our one life that we live for all these things that we That's what Paul wants us to understand here in 1 Corinthians 13. See, the Corinthians were obsessing over prophecy and tongues and gifts of knowledge. By the way, these are not bad things. I don't want them to sound negative. That's what the gifting that God has given us at this point can be used for his church until he returns. They're good spiritual blessings for his church. But as helpful and edifying as those things might be, they're going to pass someday. They're not going to be around forever. And well, when will these things go away? When he who is made perfect appears. That's when Christ returns. All those things will be unnecessary. And what he's talking about is the return of the risen Messiah to establish the kingdom of God in this world. The kingdom of God on this earth. And on that glorious day, the sky will roll back like a scroll. And the perfect one, Jesus Christ, will appear. And the trump will sound. And the Lord Jesus will come, and we will see our beloved Savior face to face.
brothers and sisters, that's not theoretical wishful thinking. This is what God has promised, and this is what we are destined for. We are to allow that coming reality to shape our lives and to shape the way that we love today. Do you see what Paul is saying here? Consider what it will be like once Christ returns, and let that influence how much weight we give to the stuff of life. If what we are so consumed with now will last past that day, then why allow it to consume us? Paul isn't just talking about bad stuff, sins and sins and drugs and alcohol and all the sins of our lives and wounding people and death and all those things that are bad in the world, that that will fade away. Not that that will. But do you realize that so much of what constitutes a faithful Christian life now will not exist then? Think about it. We won't need to encounter God in a book anymore because we will be in God's presence forever. We won't need charismatic gifts anymore because we'll worship at his feet. We don't we're in his presence. We're perfect presence. We won't need Thursday prayer, angry kids, angry students, hope restored. Because sin will have been defeated forever. We won't need to study the Bible Bible prophecies anymore because we lived it. It's done. It's over. It's been fulfilled. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. Those are good things. Those are things that we're supposed to be doing while we wait for his age in a time between the first and second coming of Christ, these are all fitting activities for this church to be doing. But friends, don't live like this life is all there is. Because it isn't. Something far better is coming. On that day, only one thing will remain. And the greatest of these is love. But verse 13 is saying, faith, hope, and love. And that's the New Testament summary of the Christian life. We live by faith in what Christ has done for us. We live in hope of the return of Christ. And our lives are transformed by love for God and love for one another. That's what the Christian life is all about. Loving God and loving people. And tasting God's amazing love, we will love one another also. I want to remind you that the context of this passage is about love in the local church. You're a believer in Jesus Christ here in this room this morning, then one day you will love one another perfectly. One day there will be no impatience because in our love for one another there will be no sin. One day there will be perfect kindness between us and every glorified saint in this room will be an infinite source of rejoicing and praise. One day there will be a hint. There will not be a hint of envy or jealousy. One day there will be no temptation to boast. There will be no temptation to because we will sit there together and know that everything that we've been given came from God. And we will serve and love one another in perfect humility. One day, anger and frustration will no longer exist in our dealings with one another. Because love will always be perfectly mutual, perfectly reciprocated. And one day, any wrongs, any offenses that were experienced in this life will be fully forgiven and forgotten. No mention of so attractive. 
when they gather together and they worship, they sense the love of Christ so strongly in their minds that they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave that presence. They don't want to leave that sense of love. That's what Peter said. Never again will congregations break up. Never again will loved ones depart. But forever we will know that we will have perfect enjoyment of one another and will likely be loved forever. Which is my question. Because our love today is so weak, we mess up all the time. We don't get it right all the time. Sometimes we get it. church, there'll be a temptation to worry about and to mistrust and to conflict. But what I want to say to us is don't lose sight of that. The things that we so often fight about ultimately will not even last. What will last is the love among God's people. So let the love be your main concern in the coming weeks and the coming years and the coming rest of your life. And I pray that this church will be a bright display of God's this dark land, and that it will shine out into a dark eternity. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, help us this morning to love like you have loved us. Show us where we've fallen short. And where we need to pray for us today. If we fail in our love for one another, Lord, we've lived a life of rebellion and life of sin. And though we may be deserving of God's love, we can take peace with it. In his kindness, God sent his son into this world to live a life of obedience. That we should have lived And to humbly bear our passion and to share yours. Having conquered sin and death, Jesus, Lord,
the only Son who confessed the love of Jesus Christ and his love of said that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to take that connection card and just you know, say a little box that says, I gave my life to Christ today. I want to be able to follow up with you. Uh, also, I want to encourage you to download an app if you have a really easy that called you version. It's God's Bible. It's the Word of God. It's God's Word. You can get right on your phone. And there's a devotional there called First Step for New Believers that would encourage you to begin a new life and continue to grow in your faith from now to then. Now, this morning,
By the way, if you're family and you would like to come closer and get up on the stage for a good shot, feel free to do that. Don't don't feel like you have to stay way back there and try to zoom in and get a grainy picture. Uh, feel free to come right up up uh, on the stage to get a nice close shot uh, when your turn is up. That would be great. So uh, first up this morning, we're going to see a video. And, uh, so we have a little video testimony for each person. And we're starting this morning with Ethan. Ethan Santos. So turn your eyes to the screens for just a moment and we'll see this video. Thank you for the way that you're changing them, you're making them new. 
uh, not perfect, Lord, but uh, we know that we can rely on your grace and your love for us as we continue to press forward and do all that we can to serve you. And I thank you, Lord, for their lives. I thank you for their representation, Lord, of what you are doing in them. And I pray, Father, that that would challenge us in our lives, Lord God, to, to continue to seek you, to go after you with everything, not just to, to sit back and wait. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to bring change in us, make us new, Put a passion, stir a passion in our hearts that we're seeing around our nation. And Lord, I pray, Father, that there would be great and lasting fruit of your spirit and your work in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday, and we will see you next week. Thank you.